Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. <laughs> I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, She's there, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You can, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. It's a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside seat. and I'll be up in the blue seats. <laughs> Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Shout out to Andrew Hartz for that new opening montage to start the show. Larry Brooks will join us in his weekly spot. But let's welcome in your host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the New York Post, Molly Walker. And Rangers great number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, hi, everyone, and lots to talk about today because it's been kind of an odd week with looking back at the three games that the Rangers played. A lot to digest here, the good and the bad. When you look back at the last game against the Panthers, they find a way to win 4-3, and we needed to know, can they redeem themselves after what happened into Calgary? Got beat 6-0, and it was not pretty. They were dominated, but before that, back up to Edmonton, they have a nice lead. And then they go in the overtime and they end up losing. So there's a lot there, a lot to talk about. They are 7-3-3, so that's the good news. But for Rooksy, he kind of thinks of that as the worst 3-3 in Ranger history. So we're going to talk to him about that. Before we get into uh, talking with Molly, because Molly has a lot on her mind, I want to make a mention that this month is Hockey Fights Cancer Month for NHL, NHL alumni. And for me, I've had some friends that I've lost recently. When I go back, uh, it's been two years now, we lost Dale Howarchuk. Dale got to know. I played against him, but I did a lot of his events. And really nice guy as far as uh, how he presented himself, presented how he was an ambassador to the hockey and the NHL in particular. And, of course, we know Brian Boyle, who had his battle but fought, and he's still playing. So that's good news there. And recently, unfortunately, I lost my older brother to cancer. And also recently, a good friend and a friend to all of us, and that's Rod Gilbert. And so now moving forward, we're thinking of others or going through the battle right now. And one of them, well, there's two Guy's, two French Canadians. One's Guy Lafleur, the other is Guy Lapointe, and then also Troy Murray. So our thoughts and prayers and continued. I appreciate the fact that the NHL and the NHL alumni are doing this, bring awareness and just uh, bring light to all of this. So let's now bring in Molly. Molly, how you doing? How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Yeah, you know, just got back from practice. I'm finally in one city, home, for uh, a couple days now before I head back on the road to Toronto and Ottawa next week. But otherwise, happy to be in the same place. How about you, Ron? What was it like watching those games at home? Well, there's mixed feelings. We watch the game. We analyze the game. We talk about the game. But we're also Ranger fans. And so we're root for them. We want them to win. We want them to play well. And these games are just kind of, some of it is pawn hockey. Some of it is tight checking. Some of it is great goaltending. It's a little bit of everything. I mean, it is very entertaining. But at the end of the day, the Rangers need to find a way. So I critique a few things. But there's still a lot of things that I like. And for Coach Gerard Gallant, he's still working on stuff. And uh, But it was good to see when they came back to New York that they found a way to beat the Panthers, who had not lost a game yet. They found a way to score enough goals and to win that game. So there's a lot of good things that we uh, we can chat about. But the one thing outside of the Rangers that is kind of was a conversation was Jack Eichel, right? Fans were thinking, does he come to New York? 
Is he going to get traded? A lot of folks thought that that was going to be the deal, but uh, we now we see him go to Vegas. Yeah, no, and uh, I know that the Vegas Golden Knights posted a, a video of him cranking the siren, and and he's all excited and pumped to be there. I'm sure they gave him the red carpet treatment when he came out. I can't even imagine what it must be like. I mean, what what would you have done, Ron, if you went and played in Las Vegas? <laughs> like, w- would your career have been derailed? <laughs> well, I would I would have to say that it's very very similar to playing in New York. I mean, you walk into that building, it really is in a different way. Because, you know, in Vegas, it's a big show because it's Vegas and they're going to have all the lights, the bells and whistles. And there's a level of excitement when you step on the ice, which is similar to New York. New York, you didn't need the bells and whistles. They still don't have it, right? Why? Because they have the fans. The fans are ready. And back then, as a Ranger, warm-up was a lot of noise. Nowadays, a lot of fans aren't there for warm-up. Back then, the fans were – the building was almost sold out at warm-up time. So we'd step on the ice, and it was loud, and there was chatter because the glass was lower back then. You can actually put your arms above the glass, and you could talk to the players. So we'd have conversations with fans. It was more – a lot of more interaction. You know my mom was one of those players hanging over the glass <laughs> trying to talk to you. <laughs> Yeah, did you have girls like asking for your number while you were on the ice? Did oh my that god! Ever happen? I, I saw some sign the other day. I don't even remember what game it was. It was on Twitter. Some woman had a sign that played off of a player's last name, asking him to bend her over. No joke. And I was like, "That is like, I can't believe they didn't take that sign away from her." <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I didn't have any of that. But Nick Fatio and I were always the last ones to be on the ice. I mean, Nikki, Nikki would be throwing pucks up and yeah, I'd be grabbing numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, let's get back to hockey. Can we yeah. please? <laughs> that's what, that's why her Brooks just loved me. Right. All right. I think one of the, one of the things we really need to talk about that I got out of Gallant today at practice, Shesterkin didn't come out on Monday when he was named first star of the game. And naturally everybody's going to speculate that he was furious that you know they give up the third period lead again he was peppered with shots all night the rangers didn't go over 10 shots per period so it was another you know shisterkin putting the team on his back kind of game and when he didn't come out people thought that he was frustrated but i asked a lot today about it and it sounds like he had a stomach issue and it was nature was calling and he was unable to get on the ice so nobody worry about that it doesn't seem to be an issue molly so. that is a translation for he had to take a huge dump after the game and could not come because me and hearts were there and by the way i guarantee to win you could ask andrew i guarantee to win and they won i pulled a joe namath and they beat the undefeated <laughs> panthers but that's On translation show, for we he say you chipotle. pulled a mark messier please yeah, don't a mark get messier out of here and, uh, he had chipotle or do you guys have any do you do you guys have any idea what it's like to take that goalie equipment off i mean it no. just does it doesn't happen in 20 seconds <laughs> no absolutely <not. laughs> if, yeah, you, no. if you if you if you got the runs, the runs are staying in your gear. Did that happen to you, Ron? Did you ever have the runs on the ice? <laughs> no. You know what? I well, The thing is, you got to be careful what you eat. Your pregame meal, you have to be careful what you eat. No hot peppers, no chili, none of that. So, no, I've never had that sort of thing. But, Molly, i got to get back to you. You mentioned Jerry Gallant. It seems to me you've been a little hot water with him because I watched these – 
post games with him. And you have to be careful what you ask him because he gives you the glare. He gives you the look. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody is listening to this podcast and everybody else that was watching MSG that night saw that we had a little bit of a testy exchange, but it's part of the gig. Emotions run high. It was obviously a very ugly game and and he was understandably frustrated. And But it's okay. Gallant and I had a sit down uh, today after practice, cleared the air, and we both had a, a mutual respect for one another and you know it, it happens it's part of the gig and you know Larry texted me after the fact saying you welcome to the club I think everybody knows that Larry's been in that spot before too so it happens emotions run high after the games but you know I, I think one of the things that we got a little off track and we didn't see eye to eye on was that I was asking referencing something that he said back in training camp and I was just trying to understand better what he was trying to do with Lafreniere and and he just didn't take it well understandably but that's he said he understands that I have a job to do and I said I understand he has a job to do which includes protecting his players but that's just part of the gig but all is well and good so no worries well Ron Ron, we need to hear about this because there was a testy moment and that conversation between you two what does he say? How long does it go? Is he getting you lunch? Like, what, what's, what happened? <laughs> it was it was quick. You know, I basically just asked him about how he talked about that. He doesn't think that young players playing on the fourth line get much out of that. And that is something that was a stark difference to to David Quinn. As we saw, he he played Vitaly Kravtsov on the fourth line all the time. So to say that, and then obviously having Lafreniere, he skated on the fourth line in practice the day before. And then he actually put him on the fourth line in the game. Practice and game are complete, two completely different things. The fact that he stuck with it and kept him on the fourth line in that game, you got to ask about it. For us in, in that position, we have to ask about it. So I referenced that quote and said, but this is what you're doing. So what is Lafreniere getting out of this? And well, I didn't exactly get to finish my, my question before, <laughs> before he made it clear that he did not appreciate it. He just said, you know, he didn't think that at that moment in time, it was the right time to speak about it, which I understand. But obviously, we have early deadlines the next day, and we weren't speaking to him until 6pm the next day. So I had space to fill in the New York Post. So that was naturally one of the bigger storylines of the game. So Nat, I asked about it and it just didn't go over okay. And then that's uh, fine. <laughs> well, Molly, two things here, okay? We are all missing the Tortorella Larry Brooks yeah. confrontation, okay? So this could be the new. I all know. Right? <laughs> You're not the only, but everyone was like, oh, Gallant versus Molly is the new Torts versus Larry. And I was like, please stop that. I I, I really don't need that in my life, please. <laughs> no, we, we we hashed it out. No no hard feelings on our well, front. And, and the other thing about Lafreniere on the fourth line, you know what comes after the fourth line, right? The minors. Not necessarily in a bad way. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him to go down and play a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, maybe 10 games in the minors and where he could just relax, be in a power play, kill penalties, get a lot of ice time, build some confidence, score a few goals. It would not be the worst thing. We can discuss that at a, at a different time. We also have questions from the fans, from our Post Sports Plus members who ask about this in particular, but it definitely was was clear that the Rangers coaching staff was not pleased with Lafreniere in the games leading up to his fourth line assignment. I've said this already on the show. I think Lafreniere is the type of player that will respond very well to that. You know, there are guys that take that and run with it, and there are other ones that curl up and, and shrivel, and I do not think Lafreniere is that kind of player. So I think Galan is just trying to push the right buttons and and he's got to do what he 
he's got to do because Lafreniere is obviously a huge part of that team. Well, he is who he is. We're yeah. seeing who he yeah. is. First and I overall think, pick, yeah. It, well, what I'm saying is what we're seeing on the ice is who he is. He's having to transition into playing against young men to real men big and strong, fast, he doesn't have a whole lot of speed. And so that's why I'm saying what's missing in this game right now, Coach Gallant did say he looks like he walks like he has a lot of confidence, right? He has a certain calmness to him, which is good. But I really don't believe he has a confidence that he needs to take it to the next level. That's why it wouldn't be the worst thing to just set him down, send him to the minors, let him play where things are a little bit slower, score a few goals. That way that could essentially help him because what we're seeing on the ice, I think he's doing his best. And he's having to come out of a comfort zone that he was in playing junior hockey, which was he didn't have to hit anyone. He didn't have to play hard. He just managed to puck score goals, made some plays. He was just great. But when you're having to play against men, it's different. Well, if uh, Lafreniere goes down to the minors, I'm going to leave it to Larry to ask a lot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I would think that coaching would give you the same answer I'm giving you right now is, listen, we just need to take the heat off of too much pressure. Let's just go let him go out and play, go have some fun. And Gallant wasn't the only one that was mad after the 6 nothing loss to the Flames, uh, one of the leaders of this team. Chris Kreider was mad, and, and here's what he had to say about that loss Saturday. Stings. Don't let that ever happen again. We, we need to we need to go home. We need to get better in a hurry. We need to work on our process. It doesn't matter what the score is in the game. We need to play the same way. We need to trust each other and trust the system. And um, can't get away from that, regardless of the situation and the context. Uh, over 82, you gotta you gotta you gotta lean on your system, lean on each other, and continue to do the little things over and over. Uh, we're showing flashes here and there. We're showing flashes of being good on the walls, forechecking well. Good teams don't show flashes. They do it consistently over and over and over again. And, um, I know it's a long year, but it's time for us to figure it out in hurry. Wow. Okay. Well, this is what I'm thinking, guys. As you know, I, I was a player in those situa- situations. What I would say to them, or I would have said to the dressing room, someone get angry. Someone get angry. Someone go do something. Someone's angry that you're losing and getting your ass kicked. And we're not really seeing it. We didn't see it. And uh, when you think of some of the players that were brought in for that reason, no one really responded. So I think it was addressed. You got to address it. The other thing is you don't want to go out and do something goofy where you get taken bad penalties and get suspended. But still, someone look like you're angry. And we didn't see that. No, I totally agree. And and as far as Kreider's comments, I mean, he ca- he catches a lot of flack online that I've seen. Just him as a player and, and, and whatever people's opinions may be of him. But he is the most eloquent speaker after those types of losses and he just has a knack for knowing what the team needs to hear and putting it into perspective in a respectful way but in a way that's also motivating you could tell by the look on his face how disappointed he was and he he didn't just call out the whole team he singled himself out in particular as an individual as well saying that he had a ton of scoring chances on his stick that he just didn't bury in and that he needs to be better about that so you gotta you gotta give props to Kreider for the way he handled that media session after that loss because I mean it was funny though because obviously 
obviously it was a little tense with Gallant. But after that loss, after a loss like that, sometimes you just have to laugh at it. Sometimes there's just really nothing you can do and you just have a stinker and, and it happens. But Kreider really uh, put it into perspective for the team and, and said a lot of very, very true things that I think are going to reverberate throughout that locker room. The other thing is you got to always keep in mind there's another team on the other side. Of course. Calgary. Always. That is a good team with some incredible goaltending. So even though you're doing your best or trying to do your best, sometimes the other team just has got it going. And there's not much you can do. But there's the one thing you can do, always do. It's just someone get angry. Just appear like you're getting angry, like you want to do something. That's the thing that's kind of missing. Yeah, and then you run into Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid in Edmonton. And I, I, I mean, Connor McDavid posterized the Rangers with that game time goal. I, I can't even tell you. I was obviously in Canada for a very long time after that game. And every single television that I saw walking through the airport, you know, in my hotel, wherever it was, that goal and that video of him going through the four Rangers and then deking out Georgiev, they couldn't have played it enough. It was it was just one of those highlight reel plays that no matter how many times you watch it, you cannot believe that it happened. And he couldn't either. He turned around and his mouth was wide open. He couldn't believe he put that in either. Yeah. And I've been asked, uh, how does that happen? Because essentially they had him boxed in, right? There's four guys there. And I, I think they were at the end of a shift. A little heavy legs. But you got Connor McDavid with the puck and you're thinking, nah, he's not going to try, right? There's no way he's going to try this. Sure enough, he goes to the middle. For these players, it's not something that I think he was really thinking, but they're just instinctive. They get a feel for the situation, the ice, where they're at. And he saw an opening. He just went through it. And he thinking, now I'm down to one defenseman. Makes a typical and move. That, Patrick Nemeth, I'm pretty he, sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and the one thing you learn as a peewee hockey player, don't look down at the puck. Do not look down at the puck. Look at the body. Watch the guy's chest. Follow the body, right? Well, he made a mistake and Connor made him pay. Connor's got such a long reach with speed that he's capable of doing that. Then he goes against Georgiev. Well, Georgiev, Deeks aren't his strength. We know that. On a shootouts, that's not a strength. So that was a given. But how do you explain it? Well, he's Connor McDavid, and he's a special player. And there's not many players other than, I think, uh, go back, uh, Mary Lemieux with his size, his his length. He'll beat players that way. We've seen highlights of Mario doing that. Gretz was a different player. Uh, he would beat you in a different way. But Connor McDavid with his speed, size, strength, uh, his confidence, he's capable of doing it. And for the Rangers, they look really bad. <laughs> but, hey, they beat the Panthers, the undefeated Panthers. What a game Monday. I went to piss and I missed two goals. I mean, there were two goals in like a 30-second span. It was nuts. Great time at the garden and you know we'll talk with larry about his column that uh eviscerated the rangers he kept it real and we'll talk to him a little bit but we got to go now guys to the questions from the fans what is this post sports plus you sign up you get a free 30-day trial and they could what text you molly not text you about how your day and how your week going but they could ask you questions and they will be exclusively answered, what, in text or now on the show, right? Yeah, I've done situations where it's been like they send me questions on a set page that's almost like a mailbag type deal. But then, yes, I've also asked for questions that we can read on the show and answer with my dear friend Ron here. <laughs> All right, let's do it. We'll start off with, uh, again, these are Post Sports Plus. Sign up if you want your questions 
answer get your 30-day free trial nypost.com slash sports plus pj sisbaro is close to the average pizza place sabaro says this he thought would be lafreniere needs to be back on the top line he's not getting enough opportunity seems like Gallant has it out for him almost early I mean at this point I don't think that Gallant thinks that he's seen anything from Lafreniere that warrants him getting put back on the top line and I think that Gallant is just judging by his coaching style so far is that he is waiting for Lafreniere to show him that and to force his way back onto the top line in order for that to happen but that's just that's just my opinion yeah well I'm in agreement that he's a skilled player he's used to playing on the top line so for him, his comfort zone is playing up there with the better players, playmaking type of players, but he has not shown enough. And when you're thinking coaching in the NHL, every game is a game that's either going to get you in the playoffs or out of the playoffs. So you're putting your lineup together that night, according to the players that are going, and you're going to try to win. He's not necessarily thinking, oh, I got to keep developing a certain player. He ain't thinking that at all. He's thinking, how can I win tonight? And if Lafreniere is not the guy that he thinks he can win with, then he's going to make a change. Frank Roffel, similar question. You don't need to answer this. Also wants to know why does Gallant relegate Lafreniere to the fourth line when he said he wouldn't do that when he was hired as coach. His other question was, and why not name Kreider captain? And the third question, why are you playing Dryden Hunt and not Morgan Barron? As far as Kreider and captain, I'm in agreement with you. I really am. And we, Ron and I really dove into this earlier in the season about how it was a little bizarre that Rangers management backtracked on not naming a captain. And I actually spoke to Jacob Truba 101 today and tried to get into it a little bit with him. But at this point, they just want to get past that whole stupid saga. Just like, oh, we're going to have a captain. Oh, just kidding. No, we don't. Now we have six alternates. So he's leading on the ice right now as well. Chris Kreider has been far and away, aside from Igor Shosturkin, the best offensive player on that team. So as far as Dryden Hunt over Morgan Barron, I think I, I think Dryden Hunt has played to the role that he was brought in to play. And I think that Gallant appreciates that. And as long as that continues, I think that he is ahead of Morgan Barron as far as the pecking order. Yeah, well, I'm in agreement with Kreider. Uh, from what I've seen from him this year, he uh, he's, he's gone to another level leadership wise. And I think that it's something that he could use. It would help him continue playing the way he's playing if he had the C. And a lot of it is being more engaged, be physical, and continue to try to score goals. But he's an older guy on the players, on, on the Rangers. He's been around. I think he's earned it. So I he's think he's the it would longest be a, tenured guy. There you go. And so Kreider has leadership qualities. And I think you give him the C and he'll he'll represent it really well. And then as far as an assistant, I like the way Truba's playing this year. He's a lot more physical. He's playing harder, harder to play against. And you give him the A, I think it would be enough for him to feel like I am a captain, maybe not the captain, but I'm a captain. And then thirdly, it would be Strom possibly, or you could give it to Fox at this point, but I don't think Fox needs to be a captain. I, I think he just needs to concentrate on being the best player that he is, win another Norris Trophy, no distractions, no nothing. Give him another year to just kind of uh, not having to carry the weight of being a captain. Give it to Strom, and I think that those are your three. Adam Fox, the pride of Jericho, New York, where the most beautiful woman I dated uh, was from back in the day in college. Shout out to Brooke, who's now uh, getting married. Do you have any pictures, Jake, of her? <laughs> I'll, show you, I'll show you later she, she 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 is about to have a husband now and he's a better looking dude than me so i'll give her oh that. stop it <laughs> all right Never. Back, he, he's got hair so he's got he's got one up on me and hair but he doesn't have the golden pipes that i have at least i don't know 
Brett Lustig wants to know what can Gallant do to get Laffy and Kako going? A number one and number two overall picks and not getting anything from them. Sick of hearing how young they are. If they were that high up in the draft at some point, something has to give. Brett is very mad today. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing you can't cannot do as a coach, you can express your feelings on what you're expecting out of the player, but to have the player step on the ice and be so uptight and be so nervous about making mistakes. That's the one thing you cannot do. So you you have to allow him to be himself and just share with him what you're expecting out of him. Show it to him. Do video. Say, hey, here's the thing where you could have done this or that. Teach him. Talk to him. But let him know, look, at if you're not scoring, you need to be doing something. You need to run somebody over. You need to show like you care. And everyone can do that. But still go out and have fun. Go have fun. Relax. You cannot put pressure on these guys where they feel like every time they're near the puck, they feel the coach's eyes on their back of the head. That can't happen. That will make things worse. Yeah, and Brett, I I know you're sick of hearing how young they are, but that's that's honestly the number one point. And uh, kind of going off what what Ron said, if you think about how David Quinn handled the team and how he did things, it just it clearly did not go over over well, especially with how all the players have talked about that Gallant's system is so much more simple and they're not so much worried about policing themselves and it's not overcomplicated. And and that's, I think, a place where David Quinn went wrong with that locker room. So I think that players like Lafreniere and Kako are actually going to do a lot better under Gallant's system. And again, it is just like, of course, you don't want to hear about the young aspect, but if you think about it in a bigger, even bigger picture, this is their first 82-game season traveling. Like, that's all you need to know. And the Rangers' schedule at the beginning of this season has been absurd, coming from someone who has been with them every step of the way. I can't even keep my eyes open when I'm just writing and looking at a computer screen and sitting down. These players are playing a physical very taxing sport uh, on top of it all. So it's been a, a learning curve, 100%. So you just, you got to be patient. Got to be patient, Brett. Yeah. So I can speak from experience. When I look back at my first couple coaches when I was in New York as a New York Ranger, Jean-Guy Talbot, very old school, very old school in my first season with uh, John Ferguson, the manager. And then after that, I got Freddie Shiro. Well, I don't think I had uh, Freddie... If you played hard, he would actually double shift you. So, you know, with me, I'm going 100 miles an hour. Whether whether I'm getting anything done, it doesn't matter, right? I was just working hard. He loved it. And there wasn't a whole lot of pressure of X and O's, do this, do that. Play hard and everything's fine. So I was able to develop with coaches that weren't putting their big, heavy finger on me. So I was able to have fun, relax, and just go do my thing. Molly, of course, the one game I go to, she was too tired to come. I, I said, come as a fan on Monday. She's like, no, I'm, I'm good. Couldn't get her to sit up in the blue seats or down in the blue seats. <laughs> yeah. George Jelich says the defense was much improved last year. This year, it's terrible. What happened? I disagree with that statement to some degree. I agree that they improved so much last year, especially toward the tail end of the season. But I think that in the beginning of this season, the defense, you know, wasn't that bad. They've poke checking very well. Their positioning isn't awful. But I think that the defense is still trying to become a cohesive unit, I guess, if that makes sense. And I also think that they ran into just a lot better teams in the last couple games. And Kreider pointed it out himself. They haven't beaten the Calgarys and the Edmontons of the world just yet. And it might take a little bit until they do because 
that type of offensive star power is hard to handle. So I think it's just also about the opponents as well. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not seeing them as not being as good as last year. It, they're still having to adjust. The pairing's having to adjust. We have a Norris Trophy winner. Truba's kicked it up a notch. He's playing much harder. You got, And then a lot of it is when you're playing defense, you're having to rely on the centermen. You're having to rely on wingers, holding guys up, all of that. So it's not just the defense. It's the forwards also. For the Rangers, they've been very offensive-minded, and they're still learning to play under Gerard Gallant's system of not being so positioned, not playing such zone where they're being relaxed, and I think they're sometimes overhandling the puck just from being allowed to make plays, where with Coach Quinn, everything was very specific. They're still trying to figure that part out. Last question here before we get to Larry Brooks. Joseph Lubrano says the team needs a true two-way second-line center. Strom, Hedl, and Rooney are suitable for third and fourth-line duty. Team still needs some roster changes. I think waiting till the trade deadline to make changes means Igor will have to stand on his head many games this season. I don't disagree with you at all, Joseph. I think that the next thing that the Rangers need to do is address the top six, whether it is a a second line center or just another top six winger. The Rangers changed the look of their bottom six entirely. So now, now that it's this just gritty grinding unit, but they need a little bit of that in the top six as well, because more often than not, a lot of those top six guys are getting bodied off the puck left and right. And it was a real big issue in Edmonton and Calgary in particular. Yeah, see, I don't have a problem with Zabinajad and Strom. Often it's it's not just the centermen, it's it's your uh, line mates. And both those lines, you got Kreider, that works well with Zabinajad, and then Panera with Strom. Those four work well. It's the chain breakers. I call them a chain breaker. So if that other winger doesn't complete a play, can't make a pass, can't receive a pass, and that that line gets broken up where you're having now to defend to get the puck back. So, yes, I am in agreement that the top six aren't complete yet. So part of it is not the sentiment, it's the wingers. And the last question comes from the Podfather. He wants to know, Ron, you made chili before we recorded the show. Are you getting the runs mid-show right now? Are you good? Wow, thanks for paying attention. It's the holidays, and I... I, I'm so wildly uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, I... um, I got to tell you, I make it hot and spicy, <laughs> just like yes, my women. <laughs> oh my Boom. That was too easy. Oh, don't, don't, op- don't open the door for me. <laughs> All right, let's close the door on this conversation and talk with Larry Brooks next right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Joining us on Up in the Blue Seats now is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read him in the New York Post as well. Larry, just what have you made of the Rangers' recent third period performances? Well, the fact that they've been outscored 9-1 in their last three and 11-1 in their last four, I think, probably explains it all. I, I, I'm i not sure how to explain it, except that their game, I think, has become more and more disconnected as, as the year has gone on. They've had some pretty good first periods or acceptable first periods, pretty good into the second sometimes, but they just haven't been able to sustain it at all. I can't tell you why, but they just seem to me to be reverting to a game in which 
they want to play in wide open spaces. And they've played some pretty talented teams who have been able to pick them apart. And I'm not exactly sure why why the third period has been such an issue for them, but it's obviously something they've got to correct. I think if things aren't corrected a little bit, then it's going to need a, a further analysis. Hey, Larry, how do they work on practice? The uh, Probably the worst of goaltender abuse that I've seen in the last game against Sturkin, something we thought that was going to be addressed, but it was probably the worst I've seen, and no one really responded to it. We know that that's what's going to happen now. Sturkin being their best player, they're going to go after him. Coaches on the other side are going to say, listen, we need to get in his face. That's what we saw. We got no response from it. Yeah, I don't think you can, I don't think you can deal with that in practice. You can certainly deal with it in, in meetings. I would be surprised if this was not addressed, if not immediately after the game uh, on Monday night, then today. I think they will be on heightened alert. I'm not sure what, what exactly happened. I, I, I honestly don't know what's happened in the last couple of weeks because I know that, say, the game in Nashville, any time a Ranger was touched, you saw all five, you know, his four teammates came to his, came to his aid. And Shesterkin was bumped early in, in, in the Nashville game. And, and you saw the, the five players on the ice, five skaters on the ice come to his aid. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know why there was no response on Monday. It was bad. I think, though, now it's, it's on the front burner. And I would be shocked if it's allowed to happen again. I would be. I mean, if it happens again, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong with the with the makeup of the guys on the team, but I wouldn't expect it to happen again. I, I would think there'd be a, a response next time because I think that was one of the major takeaways from the game on Monday. Well, having said that, Ryan Reeves, who was brought in to be Ryan Reeves, a great guy, great, good in the room, good uh He's going to be physical. He's going to be noticeable on the ice. But how do you assess his place so far as far as sending a message to teams, specifically in that last period against, or the whole game actually, against the Panthers? Yeah, I can't, I can't speak to his influence in the room. I will take it on everyone's word that he is a, an exceptional teammate, that he means a lot inside the room to them. On the ice, I haven't seen much of an impact, to tell you the truth. I you know he throws some big hits, but I, I haven't seen the fourth line be the kind of momentum-changing line I think that the Rangers envision that unit to be. I haven't seen Reeves, who who did miss some time with with an injury, and he actually had. You know, we know his leg was was injured twice actually in in the first couple of weeks. Well, you know, once in an exhibition game and once in the second or third week of the season. So. Maybe he's not 100% healthy, we'll give him that, but I haven't seen that he's made much of an impact on the ice. Now, off the ice, maybe he has. <laughs> I think there's room for improvement. And again, maybe maybe Reeves is not 100% healthy. That's that's always a possibility, but he was healthy enough to throw a, a few big hits in the game the other night, but I, I didn't think they had much to do with the game. Larry, lots of discussion already surrounding who the Rangers should be going after on the trade market. I'm just curious to hear who you think the Rangers should be targeting at this point in the season, if any. Well, I think they, I think there are two tracks the Rangers are on. One, starting with the cap squeeze next year, anybody they get is going to have to be on a manageable, controllable contract. They cannot pick up anyone for next year who's making I don't I don't think you know more than four million dollars a year and that can't balloon in the next couple of years by arbitration their long-term trade prospects I think are fairly limited unless they can find a younger player 
uh, you know, who is another team is looking to move. It's different when it comes to rentals because the Rangers have are going are going to have amassed enough cap space going forward through the season that they can essentially add anybody they want when it comes to adding players on expiring contracts this year. And there are a couple I, I, I mentioned the other day, I think, you know, if San Jose wants to move Thomas Hurdle, and he is the guy for me. I mean, he is the best player, I think, the best center who's going to be available on the rental market. But San Jose may try and sign him. And, you know, San Jose probably will be in the playoff race. Most teams are in the playoff race. So, you know, I, I don't know that he is going to be available. I looked at a couple of other players who they might target at, at the deadline, but, you know, there's a long way between now and then. And again, it depends on whether teams are, are going to hang in and shoot for a wild card spot or whether they're going to dump their guys. I mean, you take a look at Calgary, you know, Johnny Goodrow is a pending free agent. They are one of the best teams in the league. You know, so are are they going to make a you know one of their top six you know one of the one of their top line players available? I, I you know I'm, I'm skeptical on that, and that applies to a couple of other rentals. Larry, I know we're only 13 games in, but what are your overall thoughts in looking at other teams in the NHL? Because I'm looking at certain teams. All of a sudden, LA's winning, Anaheim's winning, Jersey won a big game, the Islanders were slow, and now they're back on their feet. Is there something that's catching your eye about what's going on in the NHL right now? Well, I, I do think some of the, the teams that have some younger players are unexpectedly successful. I think the Devils certainly have seem to have coped extremely well without Jack Hughes. Surprises me. It does. I thought that when Hughes went down, their season probably was going to go off the rails, and it hasn't. They've been a pretty good team. And I think that's probably the takeaway, that some of the younger teams in the league are are winning early. I, I don't think there are that many conclusions to be reached this early in the year, except for the fact that the Rangers are going to have a very, very tough time making the playoffs. All righty. Thanks for your time, Larry, and we'll have you again on next week. Thanks, guys. Episode 63, the Anthony Duclair edition, coincidentally after he ran over Igor Shosturkin in the first period on Monday, <laughs> of the Up in the Blue Seeds podcast, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks oh, to Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Yeah, it's quite fitting that uh, the timing worked out well there. Well, the Rangers, you know, as we wrap up here, have the Blue Jackets, Devils, Canadians before we come next, Molly. Do they win two out of three? Do they win all three? Do they win one of three? Make your yeah. Uh, I'm not in the business of making predictions. Don't ask me that. <laughs> well, do they beat the Devils at the Garden on Sunday? They should beat the Devils. How about that? All right, that's fine. Well, make sure you give us that five-star rating. Write a nice review. We appreciate your support. If you have a negative rating review, just don't write it. Just go make some spaghetti and meatballs instead. Do, do something better with your time. Go outside. Touch some grass. Yeah, it's been a beautiful uh, couple days here in New York. It's sixty, a nice 69 degrees outside. You know, I'm getting tan, getting the ball dome a little tan, uh, which is nice to do in November, Molly. I know you've been running around. And shout out to the veterans as this drops. Happy Veterans Day on November 11th here. But good show. Fun times. And, and thanks to everyone uh, who left their comments for Post Sports Plus. Make sure you sign up. For number 10, Ron Duguay for the Post, Molly Walker, Jake Brown, Andrew Hartz. We will return to your earwaves next Thursday. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the couple of Ranger games coming up, and we'll talk to you next time on Up in the Blue Seats.